Welcome to Neighbor of Spotlight. I'm Carol Malone, your host. Thank you for joining me today. Neighbor of Spotlight is sponsored by Neighbor of Connections and the Equity and Arts Fund. Neighbor of Spotlight showcases citizens making positive contributions in their neighborhoods. My guests today are Ms. Gail Grizel, co-founder of the Fishing Foundation and Chief Operating Officer at Executive Meeting Planners, LLC. Born and raised in the quaint community of Berea, Ohio, she graduated from Berea High School and went on to The Ohio State University, earning a Bachelor of Arts degree. Ms. Grizel sits on numerous boards, the National Society for Fundraising Executives, the Eliza Bryant Center, and the Fishing Foundation. Her 35 years of experience in the field of philanthropy and professional fundraising, as well as her years as the grants director at Ideas Dream, make her uniquely qualified and sensitive to the needs of residents in our community. Mr. Knowles is co-founder of the Fishing Foundation and multimedia director for Executive Planners, LLC. Born in Cleveland and raised in the historic community of Shaker Heights in the Ludlow neighborhood, he graduated from Shaker Heights High School and went on to Ohio University, receiving a Bachelor of Science degree in Journalism and a Master of Fine Arts in Film Production. As a television producer for WVIZ PBS Ideastream, he received 10 Emmy nominations, winning eight National Association of Television and Arts and Sciences Regional Emmys. Mr. Knowles' years of experience in film and television uniquely qualify him to tell the many stories of residents in our community. Entrepreneurs, authors, program innovators, mentors, and anglers who are dedicated to improving the lives of youth and young adults in our community through the sport of fishing. They both reside in the lovely community of Berea, Ohio, and are members of the Neighbor Up Network. So welcome to Neighbor Up Spotlight. I'm honored to speak with you today. Thank you, Carol. Appreciate being Thank here. Thank you, Carol. That's all right. No problem. You know, Dennis Ludlow Strong. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Ludlow all the way. Strong. Ludlow Strong. A long time. A long, a long time. time. It's good to guys to have you both here. So now let's get started. Tell us about Miss Margaret F. Grizel and Mr. Ulysses B. Tidwell and how they cultivated your love of fishing. Well, Carol, I can say that my mom, Margaret Grizel, was an avid angler. We as kids would go out into the yard and collect worms <laughs> after the rain, or actually we'd pull out the hose and water the ground, wait for the worms to come to the top, pick <laughs> them up along with some soil, put them in a jar, and then we were ready to go. So Miss Margaret um, paved the way, and uh, that's where I learned my passion for fishing, and I think that speaks very highly of my mom, Absolutely. because usually you'll see um, stories uh, of men, fathers that take their sons or daughters fishing. You never hear about mothers, and mothers are so important in many, many ways, and for me it was, she taught me the love of fishing. You're absolutely correct. So the articles I was reading today, that's, it was always the fathers taking the sons. So you're absolutely correct. I spent, Carol, I spent my summers in Milwaukee with my family and my uncle Ulysses, Ulysses Tidwell. We called him Uncle Ulysses because <laughs> as a kid we couldn't say Ulysses. <laughs> so I spent my summers with my mother and my dad and my sister in Milwaukee fishing with my uncle. He taught me how to fish, and we would go to visit Milwaukee, 
drive to the Mississippi River and camp for a week. Wow. And we would fish and clean the fish on the shore, on the bank, uh, fry them up, you know, have a shore lunch. Yeah. And it just, the memories were just there. So as an adult, I just kept that tradition of fishing and just that love for it. That sounds wonderful. I've actually only been fishing one time, and that was with the Myers. <laughs> Jeffrey Myers. With the Myers family. They were no, yeah, they were big-time fishermen and hunters and everything. So now in 2021, you guys created the Fishing Foundation. What motivated the creation of this program? Well, Dennis is a member of the North Coast Anglers. It's a group of um, men that, you know, fish tournaments. And every year they have a um, an event for youngsters, some um, usually at one of the lakes. And Dennis and I really enjoyed that event. And so, you know, we talked about it and said, you know, this is just so much fun for the kids. Yeah. It would be great if they could do this on much more, a much more, much more regular event um, yeah. as opposed to just once for the summer. So Dennis said, you know, I think we need to just start our own fishing foundation <laughs> so that we can take the kids fishing all summer long. Yeah. So in 2010, we filed an application with the state of Ohio to become a nonprofit. And in 2012, we started doing events. Our first event was at Rockefeller Pond in University Circle in that Cleveland area. Yeah. And we took gentlemen from the VA hospital fishing. And then we started reaching out to the City of Cleveland Recreation, Division of Recreation, and started taking kids from different rec centers. Yeah. And we just uh, started doing these events where we would have the rods and reels, the bait, shirts, lunch. It just developed that way. And we started doing a little bit of fundraising to get a little money to fund and underwrite um, the, the programs we were doing. I want to make a correction. You founded the Fishing Foundation in 2012. I said 2021. That was a mistake in my notes. So um, we were talking about how you created. Let's talk about the program activities and what you offer. Well, for program activities, Carol, we take groups fishing from that are from Northeast Ohio. And so what we uh, a typical event for us is that we schedule the event with a group, and it might be a group as small as 10 people up to, say, 50 people. That group, say it's a church, mm -hmm. they would have chaperones that they would bring along to help us out. We have our volunteers who are trained, mm -hmm. most of them in, in fishing techniques. Mm -hmm. And so they will be there with us. The event may start at, say, 10 a.m. The group arrives we give them a brief orientation and some training how to cast mm -hmm. and things like that. Depending on which, which group it is, we might go into more detail with things like not tying, how to actually bait you know, the, the hook and yeah. safety, yeah. those type of things. And then we put them on the water and we fish from shore. Okay. Uh, it's just too much a little bit of a risk to take right. a group out on a boat and right. on the water with their kids that are novice fishermen. So we put them on the shore, we fish for two hours or so, and then we yeah. provide a lunch. Yeah. Each child and adult, we give a T-shirt so we can kind of, a Fishing Foundation T-shirt so we can identify that person as being with our group. Right. Everyone signs a release so that, uh, you know, that because fishing, there are a few um, 
there's a little bit of hazards in fishing because you're fishing with hooks right. and you're casting and you're on the water. Right. So we um, get out there on the water, then we try and let the children catch fish. And we have a lunch and send them home, basically. With and <laughs> But one of the key things, too, is yeah. that we do let them keep the rod and reel. That's important. We want them to continue fishing. So we let that child keep the rod and reel, trying to motivate them to fish. So what is the age range for your participants? And is there a cost? Well, Carol, the age range mirrors the um, content of our book. You know, the book was written for 8 to 18. Teen-year-olds, okay. and no, there is no cost. Okay. We provide um, everything: the rods, reels, lunch. That's excellent. T-shirts, um, snacks, refreshments, um, donuts for our wonderful volunteers, <laughs> <laughs> and we, that's done through fundraising. That's awesome. Now, how many youth participate annually? Usually between 200 and 250. That's uh, excellent. Yes, it is. That we, is great turnout. We love it because uh, some of the um, groups are the uh, the youth groups of churches. Mm -hmm. Some of them are uh, neighborhood organizations where we've got, you know, parents that are looking for, you know, something to um, educational for their kids right. to do. Some of them are... Um, Groups from the city of Cleveland, the city of East Cleveland, uh, part of their summer programs mm -hmm. for kids. And uh, so we have you know, lots of opportunity to interact with, with the children. You have that, And that's a tr tremendous t turnout because some people are just happy to get 20 kids. Mm. Oh. And you guys are getting 200 children. That's yes. awesome. Yes, yeah, we do. We find that not only do the kids want to come, but the parents want to be there right. also. That's the thing. <laughs> right. it, it takes them back a little bit. Right. So we may have groups as small as 20, as many as 50. Yeah. And again, we have chaperones. And we, over the course of a summer, we'll do four or five events a summer. And we get a big turnout. Yeah, I remember when I first started with Neighborhood Connections, I actually came upon an event at the Lagoon over on East Boulevard. And that was the first, I, I, I just accidentally, I was passing out flyers or something. It was in the early days of my podcast, Work with Neighborhood Connections. That may have been one of our events, yes. but also there's another big, there's another group that does an event there. I won't get into who that is. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we, um, we've done events there yeah. and we will sometimes stock those ponds okay. because mm -hmm. we really want the kids to catch fish. Well, you know, when my parents moved on, my parents moved on Empire in 1947. And believe it or not, my brother used to fish in that pond. <laughs> See there? Yeah, yeah, my brother used to go over there and fish. Yeah. He sure did. It's a great resource. It's a great resource. Now, what observations have you made regarding the impact of your program on the children and young adults who participate? You know, the kids just love working together. You know, they have respect for one another. They um, have a team work uh, ethic. Yes. Um, they're supportive of one another. Uh, yes, fishing is a singular activity, but when you've got, you know, your friends around you, they're happy for you when yeah. you catch a fish. <laughs> they want, you know, they want to help you reel right. it in right. so that it doesn't flip off the line. Right. Uh, they want to, you know, 
see if there's a net around where they can help <laughs> net and bring it in. Yeah. Um, if they, if the um, youngster is running out of worms, they'll go find another carton of worms and bring <laughs> it for him. I mean, it's just amazing. That's wonderful. The, yes, the relationship building that the fishing events, you know, really bring about. It, there, there's this spirit of cooperation, which is just great because not every child will catch a fish during an event necessarily. Yeah. But if one catches one, it's like they've all caught one. Yeah. And they just come <laughs> over, they want to touch it. But we want to get it back in the water also <laughs> right, right, <laughs> because right. we advocate to catch and release. Right. Some people want to keep the catch, but we say, no, let's put it back. Let's let it grow bigger. Um, we only harvest a fish if we know it can't survive. Okay. And then we will allow them to keep it. So, uh, but it is a spirit of cooperation. Also with fishing, you know, it's that thing of um, when you teach this, it's like you're teaching something that someone can do for the rest of them li- their yes. lives by themselves. Right. It also teaches certain skills like preparedness. Um, patience. Patience, cooperation. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> patience. there's a lot of, yeah. you know extra things that go along with fishing, which is really kind of an interest. So it makes it an interesting sport. And also it's something that anyone can do. Yeah. You know, there are some sports, let's just say like basketball or football, anyone can do it, but you really have to have that physical fitness and excel at certain things to be able to participate. But with fishing, anyone can do it. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah, that's true. Have you had students return to be instructors and mentors? Absolutely. That's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, our volunteers, they're very loyal. They come back year after year to help us out. But there's one child that comes to mind that of a story, and I'll tell this story very quickly. Uh, we held an event at Rockefeller Pond, and it was the end of the event, and he actually wasn't at the event. Mm-hmm. But Gail and I, and a, there were a couple of volunteers that were still cleaning up, and I was hot, I was tired, it had been a long day. And we're cleaning up, and this young man comes down this hill to the pond, and he says, well, I couldn't make the event, but can I help clean up? Oh. And I was a little hot, tired, and I just said, no, that's all right, kid. It's okay. I got it. And then I said, wait a minute. This young man came here, and he's offering to help. Of course he can help. And so he was kind enough to pitch in and start moving rods and reel in the truck that we rented to haul this all this stuff away yeah. um, to bring it to the events and then haul it back. Uh, he helped clean up the, move the tables in the truck, the chairs, extra T-shirts that weren't used. He really pitched in to help quite a bit, and his name is uh, King Wells. Nice, great name. I know. Yeah, I was yeah, about to say yeah. King Wells. Are you kidding King me? King Wells. I mean, that's, that's a big name. <laughs> yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> and he was probably twelve or thirteen at the time, mm-hmm. and he told me a little bit of a sad story, and. Uh, He said he liked to come down to the pond and fish quite a bit. As a matter of fact, he fished so much that his mother took his rod and reel and broke it. Oh, wow. And said, that's enough. You can't go down there. You're you're doing this too much. So I gave him a rod and reel and said, tell your mother. And I gave him one of my business cards. And I said, tell your mother I'm a normal guy. There's nothing um, wrong here. Please share this with her. Don't hide the rod and reel. Give her my phone number. And have her talk to me, and I'll introduce myself and say that, hey, if you want to come out to any of our events, you're more than welcome. That's awesome. So year after year, King and his brother, actually, who wasn't there, they started coming to our events and helped for about four or five years. Oh, awesome. And every summer, I'd pick him and his brother up 
to come volunteer because they wanted to help out. Oh. So that was one of the great stories. That's a great story. I lost touch with King because his family moved to Nebraska, of oh, all wow. places. Yeah. But after the book came out, yeah. I got a Facebook message from awesome. King. <laughs> and he said, Dennis, congratulations on the oh, book. Oh, wow. So it all came full circle. Full circle. That is wonderful. Yeah. That's, that's a great, great story. Wonderful. Now, tell us about the cer certification for you and your instructors. Well, we are so fortunate to live in the state of Ohio because it has a very robust office, the Ohio Department of Natural Resources. The um, ODNR offers the Passport to Fishing Program, and it is a um, program to help uh, us who would like to teach kids how to fish, how to do that and how to just start being an angler. And um, the program is um, one that I've attended and I have my certification and Dennis as well and our leadership volunteers. That's they have, excellent. They have, yes, they've gone to um, the ODNR office either in Columbus or in uh, Summit County, which is right on the cusp of Akron and Portage, and attended this very detailed um, conference for certification. Okay. So it's it's a great program, and we have worked with ODNR on a number of initiatives, and uh, actually one of the um, individuals is um, kind of a, um, what would you say, Dennis, Ann? She was a um, someone that read the book and vetted it for us. Yes, Ann Gorman, who, uh, give a shout out to Ann, <laughs> she is the executive director, I, I, I think that's her title, at the Fairport Harbor office for ODNR. And she is one of our uh, volunteers from the standpoint of that she, I, I, I had worked with Ann in the past, I gave her the book, her and one of her other fellow scientists at the Fairport Port Harbor office vetted the book, and um, and we keep talking about the book, Learn to Fish, a step-by-step -step <laughs> guide for beginning anglers, and we'll get into that later, right. I suppose. But uh, Anne was kind enough to vet the book, and, well, along with one of her researchers, and to make sure that we had everything correct in the book all the, from a scientific standpoint. But she's helped us out a qu quite a bit. Others at the ODNR District 3 office in Summit County, as Gail described, they've helped us out. ODNR has really been kind to us, giving us rods and reels and other resources. They the, the Passport to Fishing program is offered a couple of times a year. Mm -hmm. And we went so we could get our certification as instructors. But others can go if they just want to learn how to properly tie knots. Casting, um, casting um, other fish. just about fish safety and other species and things like that. So it's it's really a wonderful resource. There's a lot of good information on the ODNR website. Awesome, that's excellent. Now, how important are activities like fishing? How are they beneficial to your health and wellness? Well, it's very important, um, physiological and um, you know from a. a, a psychological standpoint, fishing is very important. Uh, as an activity, 
it's the fourth most popular sport in the country, wow. actually. It's more popular, in, I say, in participation than football, baseball, basketball. Fishing is uh, over a year. Let me see. I think it's over 50 million people per year participate in wow. fishing. So it's quite, um, it's a sport that millions of people participate in. Uh, some of the benefits of fishing is it um, actually, it relieves stress, actually. It's a stress releaser when yes. you go fishing. So that's really important. It, it actually helps. It can help you sleep better, actually, okay. by the sport of fishing. <laughs> After I'm finished a day of fishing, all I want to do is sleep. sleep. <laughs> you know, it changes your mood. It yeah. gets you outside in the green spaces, in the blue spaces. So there's a lot of things to it. You know, it, um, it, it teaches you certain skills, like I mentioned before, preparedness. You know, um, empathy towards other it by getting outside and fishing, it actually it, it there's something about it that actually it really wants makes you want to get outside more and to exercise and to be physically fit. Yeah. When fishing season comes around, I'm in the basement on my treadmill. Right. I'm working out. I'm <laughs> right. getting ready to yeah. go fishing. Yeah. And so I feel like um, I'm a little bit more physically fit. Yeah. Now, now we can talk about the book. <laughs> you published the wonderful children's book entitled Learn to Fish, a step-by-step -step guide for anglers. What inspired the book and the importance of the images in the book? I read the book thoroughly from cover to cover. It's a great book. I love the um, illustrations. Thanks so much, Carol. You're quite and welcome. We worked really for two to three years on writing this book. And it was inspired because as we looked for resource material when the kids uh, that we could share with uh, the children um, during our fishing events, there really wasn't anything that mirrored the youngsters that we were working with. Right. So we thought, we know how important role models are. Absolutely. And so we couldn't find anything that looked like the kids we were working with. So that's the 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 reason we started. That that's the reason we we wanted something that they could really um, identify with. In addition to giving the rods and reels away, Carol, after each event to the participants. Gail and I wanted to give an education tool to the kids, mm -hmm. something that they could read at their leisure, that they could refer to. And so, as Gail mentioned, we looked for books online that maybe we could purchase. Right. And frankly, uh, fishing is a sport for white males par primarily. Yes. Eight out of 10 people who fish in the United States are white men. Mm -hmm. Only 8% are African-American. So, as you can imagine, the books are primarily white males in the book. Right. And primarily, we take kids from the city fishing, which is primarily black youth. And we want to try and get them outside. We want to try and get everyone outside. Right. But especially with black youth in that they don't get outdoors. And, um, you know, children these days, uh, a Nielsen report cited that teens spend 10 hours a day looking at a screen. Mm -hmm. And so they don't get outside. Yeah. So the book 
is just another tool to help them, a learning tool. So after, at the end of one of our events, and we still have to figure this part of the with the book and the content, that we want to come up with a way to take the book and create a less expensive to print version yes. that we can give away, give away at our events. So yeah. the book right now, it's you can buy it online. It's you know Amazon, Walmart, Barnes and Noble, and it helps with raising money for the foundation. But the book is another education tool. We can get the kids there. We can show them, and we have them for a few hours. Nice. But at the end of the day, we want to give them the the rod and reel, and ideally some material that they can take away and they can look read it. They can learn more about fishing, and they can get out there and keep fishing. Well, as I always say in the seven years I've been doing this podcast, you never know who's listening. And you never know who's out there who might be willing to donate some money so you can do exactly that. Because mm-hmm. you never know. So now, um, as you said, there's only 8% African Americans go fishing. So what more do you think can be done to promote the sport? I know when I was doing my little some research this morning that, you know, uh, that was mentioned in one of the articles because it, it can be kind of an expensive sport. You know, especially if you need a boat or things like that. So what ideas do you guys have that can be promoted within the African-American community to increase fishing? Well, it can be expensive. I mean, I'll tell you, I have rods and reels in my basement that are two and $300 a piece. Yeah. But it entry into the sport is not that expensive. Yeah. You can go to a retail store and you can buy a very nice rod and reel combination for $30 or less. Mm-hmm. You can buy your fishing line. It's not that expensive. Some of these rods and reels come already s- strung with line. Yeah. So you may only need a bobber hook and some weights and things like that. Yeah. And literally for under $50, even though that could be a, uh, a, a too expensive price point for some. But it is not that expensive. And the other thing is you might be able to find a family member or a friend who has <laughs> used right. equipment. Right. I mean, that happens all the time. Somewhere sitting in the basement or exactly. the attic or exactly. the garage. Right. We have gotten donations in the right. past from people with used equipment mm-hmm. yeah. that we give away for free. Right. So that's another pitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. If something's sitting in your basement, we'll use it. We'll take right. it. We can use it. Yeah. But it's not that expensive to get into the sport yeah uh but and to t- help promote the sport uh hopefully events like what we're doing go to the sportsman show well next actually it's called the boat show now yeah. but go there check out those kind of events there are free events in northeast ohio other than what we're doing okay. that you you could kids can get involved and go out and fish yeah now, can you talk a little bit about the opportunities for professional competitive fishing and other career opportunities associated with working outdoors? I'm going to let Gail talk about other opportunities, but okay. as far as professional bass angling, yeah, the sport of professional bass angling, there's a lot of money in it. In that, as, as, as I was reading this morning, <laughs> there yeah. are cash prizes yeah. up to $100,000 for yeah. the winner. Yeah. And the way a tournament works primarily, Carol, is this, is that... In a tournament, it's the the person who brings in the most weight wins the tournament. And typically in a tournament, a professional bass tournament, an angler is able to keep five fish and bring those in to have those five weighed. Mm -hmm. Now, they may catch 10 fish throughout the day, but if they catch a bigger one, they throw the smaller one back into the water. Gotcha. So they're trying to get the most weight. So whoever has the most weight, they win the tournament. And there's there are opportunities, but it's like any professional sport. You know, you got to put in a lot of time and effort to get 
to the top where you're a top angler. Yeah. But again, with fishing, anyone can do it. You don't have to be a superstar athlete to get into bass fishing uh, and on the professional level. The other thing is colleges now have bass teams, yes, bass clubs. Akron University, Kent State University, OU, The Ohio State University, Bowling Green, all these colleges in Northeast Ohio, they have bass tournament teams. Yeah. So you can join that way. There's also high schools that now have bass fishing clubs. So there's those kind of entrees into getting into professional bass angling, if that's something you want to pursue. Of course, there's other endeavors, like these colleges that have these bass clubs. Think about it. They may, for their boats, they may need mechanics. Mm -hmm. For reservations and marketing of it, you may need hospitality management type people, marketing and PR. There's a lot of jobs centered around the sport of fishing that you can get into also. And in addition to fishing with, with the foundation, one thing that we tell people is there's a lot of other jobs. There's conservation jobs. There's a, a host of jobs that you can get within the sport, if you will. Yeah. You know, everyone at ODNR, they're not a, um, they're not a fisher person. You know, there's other staff doing other things there. So it's, um, there's a lot of, um, you know, naturalists, conservationists, things of that nature. Yeah, and Gail, you want to add? Yes, and I wanted to add that there are other local events like the Fall Brawl and other um, <laughs> competitive fishing events. Yeah. That So you can start on a smaller local level for... Um, you know, because all of those events have prizes, either cash or um, boats or, you know, other um, fishing gear, terminal gear yeah. that uh, they're, ex- you know, if you had to go to the store and buy it, it would be expensive. So, yes, you know, take a look at um, what's happening uh, in the sports area and you'll see that they um, will talk about you know the the tournaments that are coming up and they'll tell you about the prizes that are available carol these days too also there's even kayak tournament fishing wow i bought a kayak (laughs) two years ago i haven't fished a tournament in it yet but you can you can get in a tournament if you're want to aspire to that level of being in tournaments yeah uh, fishing out of a kayak. Wow. And I think there's some tournaments with a fall brawl, as Gail just mentioned. That's a huge tournament in Northeast Ohio. You don't have to fish from a boat. You're fishing for walleye, and you can fish from shore. I participated in it this year. It's I think the entry fee was $30, and you can fish from shore. And you're fishing for, with the biggest walleye, for a brand-new boat that I think is worth $75,000. Wow. And with a thirty or thirty-five dollar entry, entry fee, fee. That's, like, that's a nice and little prize. <laughs> the tournament takes place over a month. Okay, I think it starts September fifteenth and it goes to November fifteenth. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways to get into it if that's what you aspire to do. Yeah. Wow. Well, I also that's that's why I love doing this podcast because I learn a lot. So I I do want to take a few moments to shout out the black professional. Anglers who I never knew anything about till this morning. And the first is a brother named Mr. Alfred Williams, who was the first full-time angler 
to go on to work professionally. Then I learned about uh, Ish Monroe, who is a big angler, who brother won $400,000, okay, you know. And then um, Mark Daniels Jr. No, mm-hmm. Isaac Payne is a founder of the Savannah School of Art and Design for Men and Women. He has a collegiate bass organization. Wow. And Captain Frederick McBride, who is the only black commercial fisherman in Houston, Texas. Great articles. Yeah. You you mentioned a couple of uh, all-star fishermen. Um, Alfred Williams, who I um, I met many, many years ago. Yeah. He um, got into bass fishing, and he fishes with an artificial frog mm-hmm. a okay. lot. Okay. Um, he was known as the Frog Man. Okay. And Ish Monroe is a frog fisherman. Yeah. Ish is from uh, California. And uh, he uh, he's done quite well for himself. Yes, did you yes. mention Brian Latimer? Is that what, who's yeah, yeah, as in, yeah, yeah, and Brian Latimer. I yeah. read about him this morning too. Brian Bri- Latimer. He's got a YouTube channel. Yeah, Brian is um, he's a heck of a fisherman. Um, yeah. I think he's going to be at the. I hope he's going to be because Gail and I were going to try and attend. There's a fishing um, event in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think next year, and hopefully Brian's going to be there. But those are uh, my. Um, Idols, you know, those people. Yeah, I, I was just, I was so impressed when I read this morning because I said, this is a new area for me. And so when I read the articles, I said, okay, I got to talk about, I got to mention these brothers' names. So young kids out here, and particularly African-American children who don't know anything about this or don't know that they can aspire to this, know about these people. Yeah, and these are people who struggle to, uh, well, especially Alfred Williams. I mean, yes. he was, Alfred was one of the first African-American professional anglers and I've met a couple others, and I've heard a few uh, uh, stories about their struggle to participate in the sport. Right. I mean, the sport is out of the South. Well, yes. That's where it was started. And right. as you can imagine, there was a lot of prejudice. Yes. And I, not to speak for Alfred, because I don't know his particular stories, yeah. but I spoke to other anglers, one specifically out of Missouri, mm-hmm. and he told me about his struggles of fishing tournaments when mm. these were first starting in the 60s and 70s, yes. and he told me stories of fishing a tournament, winning, say, second place, mm-hmm. and going to receive his money, and when he got there to get pick up his prize, everyone had left. Wow. Also stories of how he would fish a tournament, one time he was fishing a tournament, and he went back to his vehicle, and someone had thrown fish in his vehicle. Yeah. And you can imagine fish sitting in there for eight uh, hours, yes. baking in the sun. Yes. And he told me these horror stories about trying to just fish a tournament, yes. but others not wanting him to fish a tournament yeah. because yeah. he was a black man. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so there were some struggles there. Yeah. I've, I've never quite faced those things, yes. but there have been a couple of times on the water where, um, yeah, you get the looks. A lot of times things where, well, we're out there bass fishing and we have boats and right. we're professional. Right. But someone will come up to you and say something like, oh, what are you doing, fishing for catfish? Yeah. Instead of perfect, you know, fishing a tournament, right. a bass tournament. Right. Where right. I have everything that you have on your boat. Right. But you, you want to make a crack at me that, well, yeah. you're fishing for catfish. Yeah. Where you know I'm, I'm fishing in a tournament. Exactly. Yeah. So come on. Yeah. Well, you but know, it's, it happens. It's, it's all day, every day, the struggle yes. continues. Yes. <laughs> all day, every day, the struggle continues. In the book, you share trips down memory lane with Miss Margaret and pro tips from Uncle Ulysses. Can you share a memory and a pro tip? 
Yes, I can. Um, I just want to say that the book truly is dedicated to my mom, Miss Margaret, and Dennis's uncle, Eulis. Uh, I had the pleasure of knowing him, and um, he was just a great, great person. And unfortunately, both of them have transitioned on now, um, but they left behind a wonderful legacy. My mom, for me, um, as I said, she was an avid angler. Her favorite way of fishing was on the bottom, using minnows or night crawlers and a heavy sinker. But she taught us as children how to fish using a bobber. And that was the fun thing, you know, to uh, watch the little bobber um, go below the surface. Sometimes it wouldn't move for 10 minutes. You just sit there and watch it. But see, what that teaches one is patience. (laughs) (laughs) And then when you would see it start to move just up and down in the water a little bit, oh, okay, I'm watching. And then it would go totally, totally submerged. And then it was time to snatch the pole because I didn't, as a child, use a rod and a reel. I used a cane pole. Ah, I remember seeing some of those as a kid. Right. (laughs) And, you know, I would tell my mom, I'd scream, you know, Mom, I'm making contact. (laughs) (laughs) And there I go, flying down the beach with this pole, you know, trying to pull the fish out. And to this day, Carol, that is a memory that makes me smile. And I I was three. I can tell you exactly how old I was. And uh, my uncle, Carol, he he was a great man. And he just loved to fish. He had a boat and myself... At times, we, with my cousin Wayne and my uncle, we'd spend the night out fishing along the Mississippi River, and he loved to catch catfish and bluegill, and we would bring those home and um, have a fish fry. My uncle Ulysses, uh, he lovingly referred to me as Denny Boy. <laughs> that was uh, he gave a nickname to every kid on the block, <laughs> and mine was Denny Boy. So I just look so forward to fishing with him uh, along the Mississippi and just times where I remember one story where we were fishing and he hooked a good fish and this is about fish safety. We're on shore and he decided to step out on some rocks which were slippery. He slipped and fell. He didn't fall in the water, but he fell. He didn't hurt himself, but he lost the fish Uh. because slack got in his line and the fish just went away. And he was just really upset about it, of course. But it was a fish safety story where it's like, no, you can't just step on those rocks. They're going to be slippery because of moss that's growing on them. So, uh, but great man. Yes. And in terms of a pro tip, my mom would sit in the living room and restring her reel every year from beginning to end. Just take all the line off of it and restring it. And she taught me that the line that sits on your reel for extended periods becomes brittle, twisted, and it will sometimes get a bend Mm -hmm. in it. So it's important that you uh, put fresh line on every year so that you aren't right in the middle of catching the big one and your line snaps. Yeah. 
Yep, that's that's the pro tip. Yeah. I will be restringing my reels early <laughs> next year because I do that every year. Yeah. I mean, you have to. You have to yeah. replace your line. It does get twisted. It gets knotted. And throughout the year, throughout the season is a pro tip. Sometimes when you're actually, the day I'm fishing, especially if I'm fishing a tournament, you can't afford to lose a fish. So you, uh, you're checking your line constantly because as you cast out in your line, you're dragging it across. You might come across a rock or something like that yeah. and get a nick in it. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times it's happened enough where I've broken off a fish because of a nick in the line. Oh, wow. So I'm constantly checking the end of my line. If I, if I run my hand over the line, I have a nick, I'll stop, cut that, uh, that tag line off and retie and start fishing again. But every year, you got to take care of your equipment. You have to oil. You have to clean your reels. Make sure you don't have any nicks in your rods and reels. And so you have a good experience on the water. Well, I can certainly tell you reading the book. You certainly look forward to uh, Miss Margaret and, and Uncle Eulis popping up in the book. <laughs> you know? Thanks, Carol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, it's, it's a great book. I Like I said, I'm not a fishing person, but I enjoyed it. I understood. And I said, well, okay, if, if I went and had someone show me, I would know. And I loved the illustrations, the hands, the, the brown hands holding the reels and, and brown folks and you all in the book. It's a great Absolutely. book. It's a great book. Thank you, Carol. It really is. It's a great book. So and I and I'm an old lady, so I'm way past eighteen. So but I enjoyed reading it a great deal. So now what do you want readers of all ages to take from your book? Well, fishing is a lifetime sport. You know, once you have it in your as they say, in your blood, you know, it's always it's one of those um internal smiles. You know, when you think about going fishing, you're with either family members or a good, you know, friend or buddy that you haven't um, perhaps been in touch with for years. And all of a sudden that memory comes back where you and her (laughs) went fishing and, you know, caught a big fish or you didn't catch anything. You just spent the day together um, um, and being um, out in nature, enjoying the great outdoors. Carol, I think I want people to learn a few things. Yeah. Um, We not only have advice and instructions for beginning anglers, and it's, we have things in there for people who are a little bit more experienced, Mm -hmm. where we talk about lures and jigs and different equipment that's a little higher end, if you will. Mm -hmm. But I hope that we've given enough advice for people to learn something about the sport. So that that was really important, uh, I think, for us. What advice do you have for aspiring anglers and how to get started, and what is the best thing about fishing? Well, I want to take the second question first. I think the best thing about fishing for me, and I hope others find this true, is that it's just very peaceful being outside. Yeah. And being away from the concrete jungle, if you will, and not being in front of a television, but it's just getting outside, especially for me getting up early in the morning where you see a sunrise and those smells. There's something about being outdoors with that earthy smell that just just gets me. Um, But the sunrise, there are times when I'm on the water uh, and I'll see like a hawk or an eagle or something that's just something out in nature. I fished in Florida and seeing manatees swimming and seeing gators actually swimming. (laughs) But it's just something about 
being in nature that's exciting to me and just very peaceful, enjoyable. So I hope that people can get that. Um, so for me, that's the best thing about fishing. And your first question, which I forgot. Was, um, 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 what, what advice do you have for aspiring anglers and how to get started? I would say how to get started, boy or girl, is to talk to a family members. I guarantee you, if you ask your mom, dad, uncle, um, aunt, there's someone in your family or friend to take me fishing, they will say, okay, I can do that. And they will have some equipment. As I mentioned earlier, over 50 million people per year fish. That's 17% of the pop. No, I'm sorry, that's not correct. It's, it's, but it's 50 million people fish over a year. So someone's got some gear out there that you can use and go fishing. There's a body of water somewhere. If you're thinking, well, Northeast Ohio, where do I go fishing? You can go fishing for shore at Lake Erie. Uh, there are ponds in Northeast Ohio. There is a body of water. The Metro Parks, they have bodies of water that are set up for people to fish. So you can find a place to fish. You can get your night crawlers, like Gail said. You can pull them out the ground. Turn over some dirt, you're going to get night crawlers. Uh, you can make dough balls at home. So you, for certain species of fish, you can think use things like shrimp or hot dogs, yeah. corn, bread. I mean, there's a lot of things you can use as bait to learn how to fish. It's and it's easy. You just get a bobber, get a hook. You got your line. Learn at home how to cast. And you can get in your backyard and learn how to cast. So it's easy to get involved. And for me, Carol, the best thing about fishing is you never know what you're going to catch. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's been fabulous. When we were fishing on the vineyard, we let's see, I caught a hmm, puffer fish. Mm -hmm. It's a fish that comes out of the water and looks just like a regular little small fish. Yeah. And then it blows up like a ball. Yeah. It's called a puffer fish. We caught I caught a robin fish. It's a fish that has what appears to be um fins, but they kind of look like um bird wings. Okay. So that's why they call it a robin fish. Yeah. And um once I caught a flounder, and, you know, it's a very flat fish. And so all the different species of fish, uh, carp, bass, um, bluegill, crappie, um, and when I think I caught a turtle last, <laughs> <laughs> last summer. That's not what we were after, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was cute, but I, 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 and I didn't turn him into soup. Right. I put him back in the lake. So yeah, you just never know what you're going to catch. And, and I would, I would second that. That is probably the second greatest thing for me about fishing. That once you toss that line in the water, yeah. and you're sitting there and you're kind of jigging your line in the water. Yeah. It's that anticipation. You know something's going to take it eventually. You're just waiting for that bite, just to feel that line move. Yeah or that bobber dunk down or something like that. Yeah. It is that anticipation that, wow, this could be the big one. Yeah. And so that 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 is a lot of fun just waiting for that. And if you get out there on the water and you throw that line in there, you're going to experience that. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, you both enjoy gardening and travel. What are some of your favorite plants, flowers, and travel destinations? 
Well, I love perennials because I love to see from year to year how they change and grow. And, um, you know, many times a rose may start out as a pink rose. Right. And in two years, the blooms are now red. Uh, echinacea, which is what they call a cone plant. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts off, you know, like really very small, kind of like a little popsicle stick. Mm-hmm. And now in our garden at home, they're as, fi- as high as five feet. Wow. Yes. Then you know, they grow and spread and, you know, it can really change the dynamic of your flower garden. And then I just, you know, add a few little annuals for a pop of color. And, yeah. Um, so that's, that's what I like to do. And uh, for travel, I love anywhere that is hot <laughs> with water. <laughs> the Caribbean has my name well. written on it. Any island, I'm there. So, yeah, I, I do like to travel in the, in the Caribbean, but I, I like traveling in Europe as well uh, as a part of the, um, the executive meeting planning hat that I wear. Yes. We've planned um, meetings in um, Spain. Um, Ireland, um, Austria, awesome. That's um, Canada, um, let's see, in Mexico. So uh, it's it's been a, a great um, educational experience, you know, traveling and meeting people from different countries. That is excellent, Gail. I enjoy planting vegetables, <laughs> you know, Harvesting that fruit from the ground, yeah. just that taste yeah. that you just can't get from something canned or right. or grown in a hothouse. Right. So that earthy taste that you get from planting your own um, uh, vegetables, yes. that's, that's amazing to me just to see those things start to grow. Yeah. And as far as travel for me... Anywhere I can travel with Gail, I'm happy. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> so if I get to be with her traveling, Aww. you know, I'm happy. I love that. So I love that. So it, it's all good for me. That's wonderful. <laughs> that is adorable. So how can people contact you to participate in the program, volunteer, donate, book you for speaking engagements, or acquire services from executive planners and purchase your book? Well, uh, actually, our website is the absolute best way to begin. Um, our uh, The Fishing Foundation has a website, www.thefishingfoundation, all one word, dot O-R-G. And that way you can read all about what we do and who we are, how to donate, how to buy the book. Um, and the same applies to executive meeting planners www.executivemeetingplanners, all one word, dot net. That's wonderful. Excellent. Thank you so much. I would like to thank my guests, Ms. Gail Grizel and Mr. Dennis Knowles, for visiting with us today. I've enjoyed our conversation. Thank, thank you. you so much, Carol. This has been marvelous. Well, thank you. I appreciate you for coming today. I would like to leave our audience with a quote from our guests today. Ms. Grizel. Many times, or the majority of the time, it's a father that has taken a son to the shore to teach him how to fish. But, it, but in my instance, it was my mom. I think that it is really important that mothers can lead that charge as well. Mr. Knowles, I hope kids put down their iPads, 
Put down their iPhones, get outside and enjoy nature. Being outside is good for mental health and physical health, and fishing is a great activity to do that. I would like to thank our audience for stopping by today. We appreciate your support. Please join us again as we continue our conversation with Clevelanders who are making positive contributions to their neighborhoods. Visit Neighborhood Connections website to see all of our community engagement activities and opportunities. If you have a great idea and want to do something positive for your community, contact Neighborhood Connections at 216-361-0042 or send us an email at www.neighborhoodgrants.org and like us on Facebook. Stay informed, stay involved, stay connected. I'm Carol Malone, your host. Thank you for joining me today on Neighbor Up Spotlight. Neighbor Up Spotlight is sponsored by Neighborhood Connections, the Equity and Arts Fund, in association with Bad Record Recording Studio. Executive producer, creator, writer, host, Carol Malone. Co-producer, Lila Mills. Photographer, social media, Vince Robinson. Engineer, James Cananan. Graphic artist, Cadrian Hinton. We're just a homemade, handmade podcast from scratch. Please share our positive stories with your neighbors, friends, and family, and on your social media. Thank you for listening, and neighbor up.